Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. Hey, Sarah. Hello, Rebecca. How's today for you? Excellent, because we have a new podcast where we're introducing a couple new voices to you. Uh, You'll be hearing staff member Don Johnson, as well as J.J. Reichs from Federal Premium Ammunition. Yes, we've been working with them for about three years. Not Don, we've been working with him for about 20. Uh, But Federal as a corporation, we've been working with them for the last about three years when it dawned on all of us that they were turning 100 in 2022. And it really started going this past year. Federal employees scoured the the factory and were finding boxes and boxes of the old documents and ledgers and packaging dating back all the way to when it was founded. And you know, when you say scoured, like we're talking in the back of boiler rooms and we are talking, you know, random offices that had boxes of stuff. They went through the entire campus and pulled these these items. They There was absolutely no rhyme or reason to where they were and what was in these boxes. And that's not good for the documents. It's not, our poor babies. We know what to do with that. Uh, it all got transferred to a building that the city of Anoka was letting us use. And then what happened? Then we called in our previous archivist, Audra, and she started to go through and weed the items that were in those boxes because you might have had 200 of something and we only really needed to keep two. It was just to get it rehoused in good boxes, acid-free boxes, and to a manageable point. And then federal employees came back and they transferred it all to the museum because with COVID, nobody was coming into the museum and the gallery was open space for us. Yay, COVID. It's one of the good things that came from COVID. We have a nice storage space now on the right-hand side of the exhibit hall where we're working. And they're starting to process it all. And that's what Don and JJ are really going to be talking about today. Yeah, so should we hear what they say? Yes, we should. Hi, Don. How's it going? Hey, JJ. Yeah, doing pretty good. Well, the reason why we're chatting today is about the Anoka County Historical Society and the Federal Ammunition History Exhibit and collection that we're working on. Yeah, now the project is pretty interesting. We've been working on it for months. Basically, Federal Ammunition started in Anoka in 1922, and we are celebrating our 100th anniversary in 2022. Now, I am the uh, press relations manager for federal. So I work with all the media and all of the um, partners that we, industry partners that we have. Uh, and we are trying to spread the word about the 100th anniversary. And that's where we came to, to you guys to help us with all that, because we have a ton of his, historical stuff, as you can, as you would know, as you experience. Yes, I have. <laughs> So what do you, what, 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 ex, what excites you most about this whole project? Well, it's, uh, there's just so much of it and it's all so different and interesting um, that, and it's a 
challenge too, quite frankly, to be able to photograph everything from little teeny objects to great big huge ones. It's not only having photographs, but it had making a searchable database that will allow other people to access it. It should be available to the public, including you guys, when you want to use it to put together other books or, or whatever's coming up. Yeah, and that's what this whole collaboration is about. I mean, Federal has been uh, collecting historical items, uh, which includes photographs and documents and correspondence letters and old advertising and catalogs and signs and pictures and you name it. And it's basically just been collecting dust and kept in a storage room. You know, working with you allows us to preserve this stuff for forever, um, hopefully. And once we have this collection, you know, the public can look at it, media can look at it. For me and my job, I want as many writers and editors to look at this stuff as possible and create as many articles as they can on our 100th anniversary and beyond. So that's, that's huge. And then also, you know, previous employees are going to love this. We have a ton of retirees um, that have been working with the company for many decades. We have a lot of people who work there 10, 20, 30, 40, even 50 years. So there's a lot of families in the Anoka area that are really interested in seeing this. So I think it's really exciting and I'm really happy that we're working with you because I don't want this stuff to be just stored in some room um, in the back of the factory. I would love to see it on display and I just couldn't be more excited about this. Well, good, yeah, we've been uh, working towards that uh, with, with the digitizing, photographing of it, um, making good progress, but I should point out, we are not just taking snapshots of things that are propped up on a table we have put together a pretty decent photo studio. We actually put it together starting about five years ago because of our own in-house needs, but it's now developed into something much better. If we have the camera uh, looking straight down on the table, we could be anything from six inches above the table to six feet above the table. Obviously, uh, the viewfinder is pretty useless there, but the a computer allows us to see what the camera is seeing to make uh, appropriate adjustments and then take the image and store it on the computer. That's, that's a lot easier than leaning over a ladder and trying to, <laughs> trying to figure out if it's straight or not. Yeah, I've done that too, but uh, <laughs> I try not to. Cool. Well, it seems I, I've walked by your setup and it seems pretty complex and I do not want to touch it when I, when I'm there, cause I don't want to get yelled at, but <laughs> it looks, it looks really cool. Now, so what are some of the challenges? I mean, we, we gave you some pretty weird things uh, to photograph. Yeah, you mentioned the framed uh, things that are framed under glass. Uh, those are probably the biggest challenge because the glass reflects. So when we did those, that was when we would lay the thing down on the table with the camera directly above it. But the reflections would come from uh, even off the ceiling where there are light fixtures which had been turned off for this process. So we had to come up with a way to uh, block all that out. So we had a, no, we got a third backdrop stand so we could suspend the black cloth above everything, make, make a false ceiling essentially above the uh, table. And that worked great, except 
Now there was reflections off of the uh, rigging that was holding the camera up. And we, so we had to get more black fabric to wrap all the, the rigging and even put black tape over the white logo on the camera to eliminate that reflection. Trying to do a really good job here. And it, it took a little creativity, but we got that uh, done. You know, for us, we just give you this stuff and we tell you, hey, take a picture of it for us and put it in the digital archive. But, you know, we don't really realize how much goes into that. And I've seen a lot of the, the stuff that you have done and it just looks awesome. So, yeah, some of the stuff sounds simple and some of the stuff is simple, but there's always something that gives a little more challenge than the other things. Um, one of the other uh, more difficult items to photograph was the uh, printing plates, which is like a copper plate that's been etched in one way or another. So we're looking at no color contrast in this. It's just a little depression in the plate. So we have to get the lighting at a shallow angle and to enhance the image a little bit. And then this is where with the right software, we can do some photo enhancements of it to get a little better contrast to, at least uh, so we can see what the item is in the printing plate. Yeah, now the printing plates, they're really important and we have a lot of them. And all of those printing plates are basically packaging. So if you look at you know, the, the decades and decades of products that we have produced at Federal Ammunition, it's all kinds of different printed cardboard boxes that, to house um, different ammunition loads. So we've got, um, shot shell and rim fire and center fire and handgun ammunition. And throughout the years, a lot of that changes. It seems like every decade, we just completely change the look of the packaging, you know, to keep up with the times and, and follow graphic art trends and, and make things appealing on the, on the shelf. Yeah, I've noticed that the packaging does tend to change over time because there are so many of them. So far, I've scanned about 450 different uh, packages, and there's only about maybe 150 to go on those. And, and they're all different, but they're all for federal ammunition. And I think what's so cool about this whole collection is that people are going to like it for different ways. I have a friend, uh, Anthony, who I was telling about this and he, and I was telling him about the printing plates and he was really, you know, struck by that. And he, he really liked that because he's into the whole printing thing. He's a publisher of magazines and, you know, the whole history of how printing happens is really interesting mm -hmm. to him. And then other folks are really uh, excited about the packaging. They want to see you know the boxes of, of ammunition and how that changed and all the different products they have so you know some folks are going to be really excited about the photos and the correspondence um, but others are going to be excited about the printing plates and the packaging so it really is quite cool that there's just so many aspects to it well there are and the, the printing plates uh, for one package there might be three or four different printing plates one for each color that said, we are creating new packaging for our 100th anniversary. We've created a nice logo that says federal, you know, 100 anniversary. And we are going to print some, some new packages for shot shell, rim fire, and center fire and handgun ammunition that 
are retro. So they look like they were made like in the 60s or in the 80s. And they have that 100th anniversary logo printed on them. And we do have, or we will get the printing plate for that. So they are being still printed with printing plates. It's not all, you know, digital. They said they're going to have the printing plates. So I said, I better get that over to Don too. So <laughs> you're going to have a brand new one. Oh boy, I can't <laughs> wait. Um, but it will be actually interesting to match up some of the printing plates with the packaging. So yeah, it'd make a great uh, display at the exhibit to say, okay, this is the printing plate and this is what uh, was made from it. Yeah, no, that's, that's uh, exactly what we're after. You know, if we can come up with some cool exhibits that show multiple objects associated with, with like the printing plate, for example. So you have the printing plate, then you have the package, and then you have an example of the advertisement used back in the 60s or the mm -hmm. 80s to, to sell that product. And you can really tie together a really cool uh, exhibit that covers multiple things on that one product. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the, that's the next thing we're gonna, I wanted to bring up with you is just all the objects. You know, you talked about framed pictures, uh, but what are some of the other things that you're, you're taking pictures of? In some cases, taking photos of old photos. I particularly like, like the uh, 1925 uh, photo of all the employees uh, out in front of the building. Uh, best I could count, there were 59 people in that photograph, which I assume must have been about the entire uh, staff at the time. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, I have been working with old articles, uh, you know, printed by the company in the 50s and in the 70s. And I've just been reading through all of the, all that history. And when we established as a company in 1922, we had seven employees. And actually, the president was named Charles Horn. And he actually worked in the, the factories trying to help produce the uh, ammunition in those early days. Um, and he wasn't very good at it. So he kind of got kicked out of the factory, I guess. <laughs> Uh, legend goes. Um, but they, they started the company with seven employees. And then the photo that you're talking about, I think was 1924 or 25. 25, I think. And then that was about, you said 50 employees. Yeah. And then by the 1930s, we had uh, 500 employees. So we really, we really uh, stepped it up in those uh, five years. And then just to give you an idea, today we have an average of uh, 1,200 employees uh, mm. working 24 hours a day, seven days a week um, on three different ships, all producing ammunition. That's so, quite a bit of growth in a short period of time there too, isn't it? Oh uh, yeah. So, so yeah, so we're going to need like an aerial photo in, you know, in 2022 when we have our 100th anniversary, we're going to take a, an aerial photo of, of all 1,200. And a lot of the earlier photos that you uh, saw were, were women. There was um, a ton of women um, employed. And, I, and I'm assuming that in the 1930s of the 500 that the majority were women in there too. And, and looking through all the old photos, you just see a ton of of women working in the factory and, and loading ammunition and all that. And I thought that was just really cool to see. And those are some of the coolest pictures that we have, I think. Some of the now, other thing I've been photographing is like the uh, wooden shipping crates to ship ammo in. And there were several of those and empty, they're pretty lightweight. And uh, I did uh, 
see one more wooden crate underneath the table. So I grabbed the handle and gave it a pull and about did a face plant on the uh, table because uh, uh, this one wasn't empty. But well, this what one, was in it? Well, this one had, uh, this is where I can say, pardon my French without having said <laughs> anything rude, but it's a Le Boulange chronograph. Very it, cool. The, the chronograph was used to measure the speed of a bullet when it was fired. And uh, this one was used early 1900s. It was developed in the late 1800s, used in the early 1900s, and consisted primarily of a brass cylinder about two feet long and maybe three inches diameter. So that was a little heavy. Don, that's really cool. Uh, you know, we have a ton of other devices and tools like that in the factory. I was walking through with our operations director uh, just to kind of find some other things that we could use in the exhibit. It was funny because I was just walking around the corner and I saw this huge, you know, cabinet with all these, you know, storage cubby hole, so to speak. And there was just all these gauges and scales. And I just looked at Jeff and said, well, we need some of those. And he said, well, take them. We'll clean them up and we'll use them. So, you know, it's, it's okay, yeah, really good. cool. Great exhibit pieces, I think. Yeah. So that kind of brings us to, you know, what we're going to do with all this stuff. Now, the digital archive, I think, is the most important because we do have a ton of correspondence letters. Um, for example, a correspondence correspondence letter would be when Charles Horn took over um, ownership and became, you know, president of the of federal, he had a whole new marketing campaign and marketing idea where instead of the, some of the big manufacturers that are already in existence, like Remington ammunition and Winchester ammunition, who were selling, um, you know, more at the national level, he wanted to go more into the local and rural level and, contact all dentists, all barbershops, all gas stations, you know, all small businesses that were in smaller towns and reach out to them directly and ask them if they wanted to sell ammunition. So if you think about it, there would be a barber who'd say, sure, I'll sell some ammunition. He'd buy a couple of cases of shot shells. And then he would put them on the shelf above his mirror. And then when they were talking, when he was giving haircuts and he was talking to people about, you know, where they're going hunting and sports and all that stuff. They would see the ammunition up there and they'd say, oh, I want a box of that, you know, shot shell. Um, and then so they would actually uh, make some money with that. And he, he wrote letters and sent it to all the barbershops and, and all those folks um, in the 20s and even 30s. And we have copies of those letters, which are just really cool. When I saw him, I didn't expect it going it's really marketing ammunition through barbers and dentists even. Yeah. Of course, these guys are a captive audience. So uh, yeah. <laughs> they're going to hear the story, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And I guess it was quite effective. Yep. Yep. And then, so, you know, having those uh, digitized and so that you can put it on, um, you know, on a archive and so you can look through it on your computer from anywhere in the world is cool. Yeah. So how will that be accessible to the public? Well, uh, I have a pretty good idea of it. Uh, we have software that we use to create our uh, searchable database. It's called Collective Access. Uh, that, by that name, is only accessible 
through the historical society from our own research computers, but there'll be a mirror of that made available through a, a public website uh, called mincollections.org. And that will have out there uh, the same uh, database that will be searchable by the public. And that's going to be Again, examples of correspondence. It'll be old catalogs. It'll be pictures. It'll be absolutely yes. Packaging, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the things that you're scanning, and we're also even working on some some film too. Um, we have a lot of old uh, reels of film and VHS tapes and and beta tapes, I guess, and just all kinds of you know older stuff that we're also looking to digitize and, and get that on, on the collective access. Right. Uh, I've, I've seen the reels of it sitting in multiple boxes in our uh, storage area, but uh, I can't wait to see what's on them. I bet it's fascinating. A lot of it. Yeah, it should be neat. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm looking forward to that. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that there's some really cool stuff because then we can take, you know, snippets of that and use in our, in our social media today, you know, our mm-hmm. Facebook and our, our, um, Instagram and all the social media channels, I think that our fans and, and our followers are really going to love to see some of that really old footage um, on their computer today. Oh, sure. And, uh, and I am expecting that in our exhibit hall, one of the items we have in there is our touch table, which is an interactive table that would have some of these video clips so people can look down a menu or some kind of a series of icons on it and say, let me see this uh, federal cartridge video from 1950 and touch it. And then the video pops up and plays for them. Yeah, that, that's, that's really cool. That's where the exhibit can get pretty, pretty neat. And then you'll be using a lot of these uh, images. Yeah, we're, we're creating, um, we're working with a publication company right now and we're creating what the public, the the publication world or the publishing world uh, call an SIP, which stands for Special Interest Publication. It's going to be the Federal Ammunition 100th Anniversary. It'll be a 100-page magazine. We're printing 80,000 copies of it to be sold all across the, the nation. And then we'll have about 10,000 copies to use for our own purpose, uh, to give out at trade shows and give to customers and and uh, probably have there at at the Anoka County Historical Society to sell there. It's gonna really give history of, of ammunition. Uh, it's gonna break it down into the different categories. And it's also going to give a nice timeline from 1922 to 2022 on all the cool things that happened in those 100 years. And then a couple of weeks later, after they gave me that task or after my bosses gave me that task, they said, oh yeah, by the way, we're gonna do a coffee table book. and the coffee table book was is really cool, I think, but it's so different than an SIP because it's going to be way more photo heavy and way more kind of artsy, so to speak. And it'll have a lot more, you know, little tidbits of information in it because um, this is going to be 240 pages of great photographs and all that. Well, I can't wait to, to see those things because... Uh... What I'm doing is uh, I'm jumping around on the timeline from one end to the other and in the middle. And uh, it, it would be good to see a, a cohesive story. Yeah. And the coffee table book is going to allow us to do some cool things like show the uh, federal uh, ammunition um, 
clubhouse, which was basically, we call it the clubhouse, but it was actually a uh, shotgun range, um, a gun club um, that we had on campus for employees. So, you know, we have about 160 acres that our, our plant is located on, but off in the back, um, I think in like more in the fifties, I believe it was, we created this, this uh, gun club where employees could go on their lunch hour and they could shoot a round of skeet or a round of trap and mm. they could actually do some, some sporting clays back there, um, which was pretty cool and kind of, and definitely unheard of in today's world. And we actually did allow people or employees to use that for special events. So we have wedding pictures of people getting married at the, at the, uh, at the clubhouse. I mean, how often do you, are you looking through a company's archive and you see wedding pictures, you know, <laughs> taken? Yeah. It, it, there's a lot of other cool stuff. So I, I'm just really excited to, to, to talk to you more about it and, and, and dig into it more and, and see what we come up with over the next few months. Okay. Super. Well, we'll keep plugging away at it. Yeah, this is going to be really cool. And I'm so glad you guys are on board to help us because otherwise this stuff would just be sitting in the back um, or in the basement somewhere. And, and it's really cool to get it out and, and show it off and then also keep it stored and preserved the way it should be. So thank you. Read all about it in the Noka County Library Minute. Hello, all, and welcome back to the Library Minute. I'm Haley Koval, a librarian at the Northtown Library in Anoka County. And this week we take a look at the history of firearms as well as some notable characters from that history. The first book I have for us is United States Infantry Weapons of the First World War by Bruce N. Canfield. Called The Book to End All Books about the War to End All Wars, containing information not only about firearms, but explosives, flamethrowers, and bladed weapons. This book is a handy reference for all your World War I weapons questions and a go-to guide for collector's notes as well. Moving on to a magazine, Guns and Ammo Magazine is one of our more popular magazines for the shooting enthusiast. Since 1958, it has covered firearms across the spectrum with information about hunting, competitive shooting, and other activities. And of course, if you own guns, you want to make sure that you keep them in your home safely, which is why we have Gun Safety in the Home by Masad F. Ayub. An essential resource for people who own firearms for recreation or for work. Learn how to store and secure your weapons to protect your family, as well as how to talk to children about firearms in a way that instills a respect and an understanding of them. We are changing gears to foam firearms. The Nerf Blaster Modification Guide, the unofficial handbook for making your foam arsenal even more awesome by Luke Goodman. This handy modification guide has all the information you need to take your Nerf Blaster game to the next level. Not only does it provide instructions for modifying your Nerf guns, but gives ideas for fantasy and sci-fi inspired paint jobs as well. And last but not least, a weird part of firearms history in America, we have a graphic novel called House of Penance by Peter Tomasi. When firearms magnate William Wirt Winchester passed away, his wife Sarah found herself terrified, haunted by the spirits of those who had lost their lives to her husband's guns. 
Whether Sarah was actually haunted is up for debate. She certainly believed she was, and legend has it that she believed just as strongly that as long as construction was kept up on the house, she would be safe from vengeful ghosts. As a result, the building now known as the Winchester Mystery House is a sprawling building full of secret passageways, upper story doors that open to the outside, and staircases that lead nowhere. Peter Tomasi's graphic novel explores this strange story in comic form. Thanks again for listening to the Library Minute. Find books like these and others in our collection by searching in the corresponding call numbers or ask a librarian for help. See you next time. Get those library cards and reserve your copy today. Direct links to these books and more can be found in the episode show notes at anocacountyhistory.org. What I like about working at the Historical Society is the fact that our job is to tell stories of the local community and the impact that they've had on history through time, regardless of what's going on with the current history and the politics right now. So we get the opportunity of looking at this local business that's been invested in the Anoka County community for a hundred years. And although the podcast and their anniversary is coming at a really difficult time for people right now with the changing relationship of guns and shooting in America, I'm really lucky to be working at a place where we can look at the, the local impact of the company on the, the stories in this county and how many people they've employed over the years. There are some uh, families that have had two or three generations of the family all working at Federal Cartridge. Yeah, and we have the opportunity to go and interview some of those families courtesy of a legacy grant that we received as well. So we'll be pulling in some oral interviews from them. And what a gift to be working two or three generations in a row like that. We know that there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of employees that all have their unique story about working at this company or knowing somebody who does or a relationship with buying the products. And we wanna hear those stories, maybe perhaps going to the shooting range on federal grounds or getting married in the clubhouse or starting that very first shift. So your stories, your photographs, we want to hear them. And this it's just adding to all of the stuff that we need to catalog and have available. And so we're also really lucky to be having two new interns that are starting this summer. Those interns are going to come in and they're going to help with some data entry and taking images and rehousing all of the stuff that Don and JJ were just talking about. And that makes it searchable and will be what you'll be able to see on our database from the comfort of your home. Yeah, hopefully by the end of the summer, we should have thousands of objects searchable for you and yours. It is our plan also to have a sneak peek of some amazing things for Anoka's Riverfest in July. So keep tuned for that. Keep tuned. Stay tuned for that. We'll see you next time. Sounds good. Bye, Sarah. Bye. If you have a question, want to visit our show notes page for each episode, or would like to share your own story, go to anokacountyhistory.org. Help History 21, the podcast, reach more ears by subscribing and reviewing on your podcast provider. We're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all those who scroll by. 
And for our Vault members, you can find special access to podcast extras, as well as the latest digital resources at History 21, The Vault, located on our website. Remember, the present is the past of the future.